0: Okay, last Sunday morning I started a a short study on the Beths, B E T H, the Beths of the New Testament. And I've called it a journey through the Gospels. Last week we looked at Bethlehem, the house of bread. Beth means the house of. And last week we looked at sovereignty, subjection, and sonship. Tonight, We will continue to follow the Lord on his journey through the best of the New Testament. Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord's blessing upon our meeting this evening. Let's pray. Our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father, again we give you thanks for the evening hour. Uh, We thank you, Father, that we can gather around your word. And we do pray, Lord, that you would bless your word to each and every one of our hearts we do pray, Lord, that you would take the speaker and hide him behind the cross. Let no man be seen, save Jesus only. Father, we just commit thy word to us that we might be uplifted in our most holy faith. As we open up the unsearchable riches of God, we do pray, Lord, that you would bless us from it. Father, now just undertake because we ask it in our Savior's precious and worthy name. Amen. Okay, folks, let's turn to the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, and we'll commence reading from verse 19. Verse 19 of the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And this is the record of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he said, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? That we might give an answer to them that sent us. What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him, and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water. But there standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is, who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latch it, I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in beth abara beyond Jordan, where John was baptising. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, The Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me. For he was before me, and I knew him not. But that he should be made manifest to Israel, therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw, and bear record that this is the Son of God. Again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And we know that God will add a blessing to the reading of his own word. Let's pray again just as God's blessing on his word. Father, again we give thee thanks for the opportunity of uh, coming into thy house in this evening hour. And we do pray, Lord, you would bless and undertake as the word goes forth. As it were, make bare your arm that each and every one of us might be blessed that we might be uplifted in our most holy faith. Again, Father, hide the speaker behind the cross, that no man might be seen, save Jesus only. And we'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're looking at our study on the best. Last week we looked at Bethlehem, the house of bread. Today we're looking at Bethabara. Bethabara. Now the name Bethabara only occurs once in our New Testament. And it's found in the Scripture we've just read together, it's in John chapter 1 and verse 28. These things were done in beth beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. Now just a little bit of information in relation to beth Some ancient manuscripts render the name of beth as Bethany. And to distinguish it from the better known Bethany, which is only about oh, three kilometres outside of Jerusalem, and not far from the Mount of Olives, the qualifying clause is added, Bethany beyond Jordan. But most commentators, and most versions, including our own King James Version, render it beth abara which is where John Baptist was baptizing, which is about 17 kilometers north of Jericho, beth Abara beyond Jordan. And so, folks, for the purpose of this study, we will use the name the King James Version uses, beth Abara And occurring where it does, is very significant, because beth Abara means the house of, Of passage or the house of crossing? Passage, crossing. 30 years has now elapsed since that great event in Bethlehem we looked at last week. And our Lord spent most of that time in Nazareth. And so little of his early years are recorded. They remain hidden in relative obscurity, working with Joseph in simplicity in the carpenter's shop, moving quietly among men. Mark chapter 6 and verse 3 says this, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary? So he was known as the carpenter in his own district. But even as he grew older, as he worked as a carpenter, He was and never ceased to be God the Son and the Son of God. The eye of the Father was ever upon him, delighting in him. Isaiah 42 verse 1 says, Behold my servant in whom my soul delighteth. He was that tender plant of Isaiah, referred to in Isaiah 53 morally fragrant in the parched ground in an unbelieving nation. The Spirit of God has indeed hidden the details of those early years, except for one little glimpse of the boy when he was 12 years of age, when he said, Wist ye not that I must be about... My father's business? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? I want you to turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, and we'll read just a few verses. Luke chapter 2 and verse 41. It's good to review some of these scriptures. Luke chapter 2 and verse 41 says this Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he was twelve years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child, Jesus, tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey. And they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not They turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son... Why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing, and he said unto them, Why is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them, and came to Nazareth, and was subject unto them, but his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. What a blessed scripture. Our Lord Jesus Christ never ceased to be about his father's business. Folks, let me just say this in passing, that there has been many, many stories written and many situations invented about those boyhood days, But they are only Made up stories. They are hypothetical. And they do not deserve our credence. Neither do we need them. Another thing here too is that I hear preachers actually saying that Jesus went to the temple to teach these doctors a thing or two. Folks, he was both hearing them and asking them questions and if he was asked a question he answered it he did not dispute with them nor argue with them but even though he was God in the flesh and even though he was omniscient he would not take the place of a teacher he was only a boy and he recognized his proper place This is something we all need to recognize. Our proper place in the body. It's a terrible thing when a man places himself in a position that God has not called him to. But we do know this. That every word, every deed, every action the boy Jesus did were for the Father's glory, as the events in Bethabara will concern confirm. Bethabara, for our Lord Jesus, the the house of the crossing or the house of passage was a, a new beginning. It certainly was a time in our our Lord's life when he crossed over, if you like. He went from the simplicity of life in a humble household to a life of public ministry. We could say from private years to public years. Uh, He was now embarking upon three very busy years. Three busy years of public ministry when men would throng him and make constant demands of him. In fact, he ministered day and night, the word of God says. He ministered day and night, and when he was not ministering, in some way, he was praying. Very often, he went up into a mountain to pray. Now please turn to John chapter 7 and verse 53. I just want to point something out here he went up into a mountain to pray look at uh, John chapter 7 verse 53 it says and every man went on to his own house now if you do your readings in chapters or you make those divisions permanent and then you go back on to the next chapter some sometime later you might miss something very important out you see it says and every man went on to his own house Jesus went on to the Mount of Olives And so it highlights that every man had a house, but Jesus went on to the mountain. We have some other unfortunate, uh, let's say, divisions in the scriptures, and we're not criticizing that. But Isaiah 52 and 53 is another one. Uh, John chapter 13 and John chapter 14 is another one. Where the Lord is speaking to Peter. And uh, he's saying, look, Peter, before the cock crow three times, you're going to deny me thrice. But let not your heart be troubled. I mentioned that just recently. So here we have another unfortunate division, if you like. Matthew 8 and verse 20 says, And he would scarce anywhere to lay his head. And he would scarce have anywhere to lay his head. Now Matthew 8, 19, 20 says, and Jesus saith unto him, the foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man hath not anywhere to lay his head. So hopefully you listen to these verses. Others had homes. Others had beds. Others had possessions, but our Lord had nothing. Not even a bed and a pillow. Now we know that the four Gospels all have a view of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, they represent him in different ways. Matthew was written with the Jewish nation in mind. And it speaks of him as King. Matthew 2, two, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Matthew 27.37, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Matthew 27.29, and they mocked him saying, Hail, king of the Jews. So Matthew represents him as the king. Luke portrays the Lord as the perfect man and records many details that cannot be found in the other Gospels, perhaps because Luke was a doctor. And he'd never seen a perfect man up until he saw Christ. John sees Christ as deity. He starts off his gospel with, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then down in verse 14 it says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us and oh, we beheld his glory the glory is of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth now Mark on the other hand in his gospel sees our Lord as the perfect servant the perfect servant Matthew as the king the king's color is purple Mark as the servant The servant's colour is white. Luke as the perfect man, Adam, Adam, red earth, red. John speaks of him as deity, blue. And all these colours are represented in the tabernacle. Another study on our Lord Jesus Christ, maybe sometime in the future. But it seems that he was at every man's beck and call. Whenever I looked at that, sometimes we use these little sayings that every man's back and call. What does that mean? Well, I looked it up just this week. Beck and call means to be ready to react at their demands without delay. To be at man's back and call. Usually slaves, usually servants are at man's back and call. To be ready to react to their demands without delay. And that's a picture of our Saviour. Listen, from Mark chapter 1 and verse 10 to the end of Mark's Gospel, words that are associated with our Lord are straightway and immediately. Let's turn to Mark chapter 1 just to highlight a few of the actual verses I'm talking about. Mark chapter 1 and verse 10. Mark chapter 1 and verse 10. We'll not read all the verses. I'll just read the word. And straightway. Verse 12 and immediately. Verse 18. And straightway. Verse 20. And straightway. Verse 21. And straight away. Verse 28. Immediately. Verse 31. Immediately. Verse 42. Immediately. Chapter 2 and verse 2. Straightway. Chapter 2 and verse 8. Immediately. Chapter 2 and verse 12. Immediately. And so you can see that our, our Lord Jesus Christ was very busy. All the time. And he had nowhere to lay his head. In other words, he did not possess a home. He was too busy for things like that. In John chapter 7 verse 53 it says, And every man went on to his own house, and Jesus went on to the Mount of Olives. As I mentioned before. Jesus, the perfect servant. For 30 years while Jesus lived at Nazareth, John the Baptist was living in the deserts. Luke chapter 1, verses 76 to 80. Now, according to history, it seems that John, for a time, lived with an ultra-Orthodox Jewish community in the desert. They were known as the ascents. And that is not confirmed in the word of God. Nor do we need it to be so. But what we do know. Is that John lived in the desert. And did eat locusts. And wild honey. And had a garment of camel's hair. The word of God says in Luke 1.15. He shall be great. In the sight of the Lord. Folks, John the Baptist was a chosen vessel and his preaching soon caused a stir in Judea. His preaching was powerful and the crowds were so great that it soon came to the ears of the Jewish leaders. A delegation of priests and Levites were sent from the Pharisees. They were sent to interview him as we read in John chapter 1. Verses 19 to 24. You know, John preached holiness and he strongly denounced sin. We to God that our churches today would preach holiness and denounce sin. But unfortunately, it seems to be that most churches are tickling the ears of their hearers. And thus they're condemning to an eternity in hell outside of Christ. John the Baptist warned them of the wrath to come. He called them a generation of vipers. Not bu- uh, nothing but a bunch of snakes, he says. In Luke chapter three, seven and eight, he demanded repentance. And it seems like the Lord doesn't say. But these men came to him and asked him questions how they would uh, be saved or how they would be baptized or how they would come to uh, a knowledge of the Savior in Luke chapter 3 verses 12 to 14. Uh, It seems like he baptized some of the publicans and maybe even some of the soldiers. Regardless of that, he did say in verse 16, I baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh The latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. Luke chapter 3, verse 16. You know, John had a message for all. He had a message for the religious people. He had a message for the irreligious people. He had a message for the publicans. He had a message for the soldiers. He had a message for the, the common people. And his message to them all was the same. Prepare for the coming Messiah. And folks, we need to be just like John today. Need to have no fear of man. We need to have a consistent message about the coming of our Saviour. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, later he would Boldly confront Herod the King, which resulted in his imprisonment and ultimately his death. John was faithful unto death. Now, John Baptist did know miracles. John chapter 10 and verse 41 says this. And many resorted unto him, the Lord Jesus Christ, and said, John did no miracle, but all things that John spake of this man were true, verse 42. And many believed on him there. And where was this place? Where they came unto him? Well, verse 40 says, And went again beyond Jordan into the place with John at first baptized, and there he abode, and so he came to John and was baptized. He moved away to different places, and he came back to uh, the same place, not necessarily Bethabara, but to the place where John was baptizing. Now John did not do any miracles; the Bible says that, but his preaching was powerful and penetrating and to the point. He continually denied that he himself was the Messiah. John chapter 1, 19 to 24, we've already read it. But the Lord said of him that there hath not risen a greater, a greater than John the Baptist. Matthew 11 verse 11. Now at Bethabara, John chapter 1 verse 28, says these things were done in Bethabara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing and it is here that our Lord moved from the privacy of 30 years to 3 years of public ministry and so Bethabara is the house of crossing or the house of passage and for our Lord he was crossing over to a new passage a pathway to the cross then in the very next verse John chapter 1 and verse 29, we know it well. We have a great answer to a great prophetic question. But before we look at the answer, let's go to the question. Let's turn back to Genesis 22 and we'll read from verse 1 to verse 8. Genesis 22 and we'll look at verse 1. Genesis 22, verse 1, And it came to pass after these things, that God did tempt Abraham. That word tempt would be better understood, test. That God did test Abraham. And said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. He said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee to the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and claved the wood for the burnt offering, rose up, went into the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass. And I... And the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, The fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them together. What a beautiful scripture. What a beautiful scripture. So 1,870 years earlier. 1,870 years before our Lord came to John to be baptized, this great question and answer came from Isaac and his father Abraham. In Genesis 22 and verse 7, Isaac asked the question. He said, Behold the fire. And the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? I don't know if you've ever tried to picture the scene. We have the old man walking up the mountain, and the young man, possibly sixteen, seventeen years of age, and perhaps he's thinking, "Oh, uh, my father's getting a bit old. Uh, I-, I think he's forgotten something here." Uh, he says, "Look, we've got the, the we've got the fire, and we've got the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering?" And Abraham answers that question with a wonderful prophecy. My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And folks, the fulfillment of this prophecy was spoken by John the baptizer. When he said in John 1 verse 29, Behold the Lamb of God, Which Abraham. 1,870 years earlier. Spoke about. Behold the Lamb of God. Which taketh away. The sin. Of the world. Folks for centuries. Men had been bringing. Men had been bringing their lambs to God. Now. God. Brings. His lamb. To men. (coughs) And in this statement, folks, he is answering Isaac's question. He is highlighting the fulfillment, if you like, of Abraham's prophecy. And he is proclaiming our Lord Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God, as he also does the next day. That's why we read down to verse 36, behold the Lamb of God. That's just a few little facts in relation to Genesis 22 to 24. In Genesis 22, Isaac, the son, is a type of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Abraham, the father, is a type of God the Father, Jehovah God. In Genesis 22 and verse 2 it says whom thou lovest. This is the first mention of love in our Bible and it's the love of the father for the son. In Genesis twenty-four, sixty-seven, it says and she became his wife and he loved her. This is the second mention of love in our Bible and it's the love of the son for the bride. Folks, there is no greater love than that of the father for the son and for the son for his bride. In our case, the church. Isaac, a great type of Christ. Abraham, a great type of God the Father. And Genesis 22 and verse 19 tells us this. It tells us that Abraham returned to his young men. No mention at all of Isaac. You see, Isaac in type, great type. Isaac in type was sacrificed and we do not see him again until he goes out to meet his bride in chapter 24, verses 65 to 67. Folks, I get a shiver up my back when I think of that. Isaac and type was sacrificed up the mountain. No mention of him coming down. No mention of him again. Actually, there's mention of him, but we don't see him again. Just like we mention the Lord Jesus Christ in these days after the crucifixion, but we do not see him again until he comes to take his bride. Now folks, when he comes to take his bride, she puts on her veil. And presenting herself to her bridegroom as a chaste, pure bride. And she was from a Gentile nation, by the way. Isaac was comforted with his bride after his mother's death. Now, Sarah is a type of Israel. She was cut off. She died. Thus, enabling, as it were, the Gentile bride to be grafted in. Just like Israel, for a time, is cut off. And just as there was a long gap between Genesis 22, 19 and Genesis 24, 67, so there's a long period of time between the crucifixion of our Lord and his coming again. But in the meantime, the Holy Ghost is working in the church, preparing the bride, as it were, for the coming. Where he will present the bride to the Savior. And that's what was happening whenever the trusted servant who is a type of the Holy Spirit working along with Rebecca, working along with a type of the church, getting her ready for the coming of her bridegroom. That's a wonderful passage, Jim. We can go on at length. About that passage, but of course, the Lord Jesus fulfilled all the types of the Old Testament, which is a wonderful study in itself. So, hopefully, we can see now and appreciate the significance of this statement by John the Baptist Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Isaac says, Behold the fire, behold the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham says, My son, God will provide himself. And God did provide himself as the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Now the same situation, the baptism of our Savior, is recorded in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 17. But, but Matthew gives another little detail that John does not cover. And Matthew 3, 17 it says, And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Let me just say this, folks. God was always pleased and delighted with his Son. From private to public, From solitude to multitude. From servant to sovereign. From the cradle to the cross. From the virgin womb to the virgin tomb. God was always pleased with his son. And here at Bethabara, the house of crossing, the passage, our Lord was in gracious terms identifying with man. And yields himself to be baptised. And it is here that we are introduced to the triune God. The Lord's baptism. There is a great revelation. Of the triunity. The Holy Trinity of divine persons. The Son of God stood in the waters. The Spirit of God descended upon him. And God the Father spoke from heaven on high. The Godhead in unity manifested just prior to the great ministry of our Lord was entering into. What grace. What humility that our Lord would be introduced as he stood, as it were, in a muddy riverbank. Of a not so pleasant river. You remember Naaman in the Old Testament, Naaman the Syrian? Well he knew all about it when he said, Are not Abana and Farpah, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Second Kings five twelve. But the Savior stood there as a measure of his obedience coming from the glory as it were and starting his public ministry from a muddy riverbank. From glory to humility. It's a wonderful lesson to learn folks. Humility. Our saviour was truly the meekest of all men that ever lived. And God was always pleased with his son. And folks, if you think it's weak to be meek, try to be meek for a week. And you'll see how difficult it is. And so he crosses over from private life to public life. And his pathway begins. And it all happened at Bethabara, the crossing of the passage. Now, I don't know if our Lord ever went back to Beth abara again, but we know that this place where he was baptized had special memories for him. His baptism, the, the, the Trinity, his presentation as the Lamb of God. But John chapter 10 and verse 39 and 40 tells us that he did go back to where John was baptizing and it says in verse 39 of John chapter 10, Therefore they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand, verse 40, and went away again beyond Jordan into the place where John at first baptized and there he abode. He had engaged upon a busy life. He left Bethlehem, the house of bread. Where we saw sovereignty, subjection, and sonship. Then he traveled to Beth Abara, and the rest of his days would be filled with constant ministry, preaching, teaching, healing, praying. Beth was a turning point, it was the house of crossing from a home with Mary and Joseph and several half brothers and sisters to the very public life which would ultimately take him to Calvary and to the cross and crucifixion. He was always God never ceased to be God although he laid aside his glory to take upon himself the form of a man. And he continued his journey. But his eyes were, as it were, set on Calvary. Where he would pay the price of our sin. And provide salvation to all that come to him. And folks, in closing, the important question today is this. Have you been saved? Are you born Again, have you availed yourself to the offer of God's salvation? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Our Lord came. He was obedient to his earthly parents. He left home at 30 years of age entered into his public ministry here at Bith Abra and journeyed towards the cross to give himself a ransom as a ransom as the Lamb of God for our sins he died for me he died for you may you receive him as your saviour this day Let's pray. Our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father, again we give Thee thanks for these readings from Thy Word. We thank Thee, Father, for this lesson. We thank Thee, Father, that He, our Lord Jesus Christ, went the whole way to Calvary to bear our sin in His own body on the tree. But we thank Thee that He spent a lot of His time in in Bethlehem and, and Nazareth. Now after 30 years He he went into his public ministry I went to Bethabara where he was baptized and, and where John was able to say, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And I do pray, Lord, that if there should be one or more listening to this message that they might avail themselves of the salvation which has been offered for them. We ask now, Father, you'd close our meeting with your blessing. And Father, we just give you Thanks. In our Savior's precious and worthy name. Amen.